0: Fasting is actually about sacrifice. It's about sacrificing me, sacrificing self, right? It's about, um, you know, you, traditional fasting is giving up, you know, food for a period of time. That could mean you give up lunch, okay? Um, if you choose to do an extended, and you guys can just grab chairs. I didn't put that many out. I was, I was pessimistic about our, our turnout tonight. <laughs> Obviously, I shouldn't have been pessimistic. Um, but if you think about it that way, you, um, you know, you're giving up food for that period of time and it's not just for health reasons. I'm going to give seven different reasons to do this. Uh, some of you might've read the article that I posted today and this is from that, but, um, there are healthy reasons. There are health reasons to fast. There really are. Um, But what I recommend, if somebody does a food fast and they're like, okay, I want to do 24 hours, right? Don't go midnight to midnight. That's just, that's uh, bad timing, okay? Um, If you have a normal schedule, okay? So Sue, this would leave you out because you like to stay up all night. So you could go midnight to midnight. It would work fine. But you're good at fasting. You're way better at fasting than I am, like way better. Um, But what I recommend, if somebody wanted to do a 24-hour fast, is um, pick, let's just, just call it 6 o'clock, okay? Now, you could do any anywhere around sundown, okay? But just let's just pick 6 o'clock. Eat before 6 p.m., okay? Don't eat breakfast the next day. Don't eat lunch the next day. And then eat right after 6 p.m. You only skipped two meals. Many of us are used to skipping breakfast anyway, Okay. Um, You can go straight water, but you can also um, say, okay, during this fast, I'm going to drink vegetable juices. Okay. And if you do that, I recommend that you drink a glass of juice about every two hours, an eight ounce glass about every two hours. And you will find that that will help satisfy your hunger, but you're still really fasting throughout that time period. Now, if you want to go hardcore, then you just got to do water. I never just do water. I drink coffee and like these hardcore fasting people are like, no, no, don't drink coffee. Whatever. I'm not giving up everything. Right. I'll give up this or that, but I'm not giving up the whole, you know, like I'm not a monk. <laughs> so it's good. Um, but I'm, I won't, before I get into this Bible study, I won't get into the entire article here, but I just want to go over these seven reasons for fasting. All right. Um Number one is fast as an act of dedication. So these are all D's. Um, so if you think about Jesus, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he went into the wilderness for how long? 40 days and did what? Fasted, ate nothing. Okay? It was an act of dedication. It was the inauguration of his ministry. And during that time, he was tested. And I will tell you, man, if you've never fasted before, it's, man. Like I get hangry, it's terrible. I just get this bad attitude, you know. I'm like, I have a headache and I don't feel good, and this is supposed to be for Jesus. <laughs> and I have just, I have just broken the fast before because I'm like, this is a bad attitude, Lord. This is not the way I should be right now, right? And that's Isaiah 58 talks about fasting. He said, "But on your days you fast, you strike each other with wicked fists." Yeah, they were hangry. Somebody made him mad, you know? But that's why I say, I have this concession. I say, you know, do vegetables. You know, if you don't want to juice like yourself or whatever, just buy V8, all right? Um, You can get the low-salt V8. Anyway, these are just my practical recommendations. So dedication. Fact, fact, fast uh, as an exercise of self-discipline. There's another D for you, all right? I think that's the biggest reason for me to fast is it teaches me to say no to me. Um, In our culture, in our society, um, there's a whole lot of entitlement that goes on. Well, I deserve, and I deserve, and I deserve. And maybe you have had a bad day, and maybe you you do deserve this or that. But if you're fasting, that's why I'm giving you these reasons. It should be for a, a reason that you can stand behind. Okay, what you're fasting to do, what you're not fasting to do is kind of get God to like you more. Okay, or get God to answer your prayers. That's not the way it works, right? So that's why I said uh, dedication, discipline, and then fasting as an affirmation of dependence on God. So we learn to rely on the power of God while we're going through that time of hunger um, Jesus' first statement in response to Satan's temptation demonstrates this. Do you remember the temptations when Jesus was in the wilderness? Okay. Satan comes to him and says, oh, if you are the son of God, what? What did he say? Turn the stone into. Yeah, look at these stones. Turn one of them into a, you know, a loaf of bread. What was Jesus' response? It was a quote from scripture. Right. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, but, you know, through the word of God. And then another time, this idea of dependence on God, um, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well in John chapter four. His disciples had gone into town to do what? To get food. So they'd been walking. They walked everywhere, right? They didn't jump in the car and drive somewhere, all right? They didn't all have like, you know, camels or mules, or they walked everywhere they went. So, um, you know, looking, looking when we went through John chapter four, they had probably been walking um, for maybe six or seven hours before they stopped. Can you imagine walking constantly for six or seven without food? Would you be hungry? Uh, Obviously, Jesus was actually thirsty. He used this as an opportunity to talk to the woman at the well, but he was actually thirsty. All right, and he asked the woman to, you know, if she would get him some water, um, and then that, you know, the discussion ensued. I won't go down that trail right now. What I want to do is say this: when the disciples came back and saw him talking to her, they were shocked. All right, men didn't talk to women that were not their wives. Number one, rabbis didn't talk to women. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Jesus was breaking all of those taboos and talking to this woman. But they didn't say anything to him because, you know, he's the master and he knows what he's doing. So she goes running off, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Ah, could this be the Messiah? And the disciples are like, Rabbi, have something to eat. Jesus said this, I have food to eat that you know not of. That's how when you're doing the will of God, it sustains you, Right? when you're in the midst of these situations. So it's not, you know, I'm just sitting here saying, no, 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 food, no food, no, no, no food. I've got it. And this is true of something that is unhealthy as well as healthy. This is true of addictions, right? It's not just say no to drugs, but it's what am I going to say yes to instead? That's how we adjust our habits. We've got to be able to not... Uh, say no to the habit, we need to replace the habit with another habit, with a good habit, okay? Um, So there is that dependence upon the Lord to get you through it. Uh, The third affirmation of um, the AA, 12 steps, recognizes our need to do this. Um, And the, the third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. See, it's like, Alcohol, what am I going to replace that with? I'm going to depend on the Lord to get me through this. And they work the steps. Then the fourth one is determination. Um, Fast to establish determination, strength of will, right? Faith is not a feeling. Believing, believe it or not, is an act of will. It's not, well, I just feel that way. I just feel that this is true. No, faith is a commitment. It's an act of will. And so determination is a part of uh, exercising your faith. And so when I make that decision to fast, I make a commitment. Now, I'm going to say this. Don't make promises to God. It's foolish, right? Better not to vow than to vow and not keep it. So when I determine that I'm going to do one of these things, I don't make a promise to God. Because I need God to help get me through it. I'm not promising him, God, I promise I'll do this if you'll do this. That's bargaining. That's not faith and that's not what God, that's not the economy of God. Not at all. Okay? But if you can, you, can, you know, strengthen your, your, your will to do God's will, right? By carrying out one of these uh, fasting situations. And then it's an act of desperation, um, So when we go to Joel chapter 2, we see that uh, as the result of sin, God was sending an army of locusts in to destroy essentially the agrarian economy of Israel. And he called upon the people, Joel the prophet called upon the people to fast. He said, have a holy assembly, tear your garments, right? Cry, weep, call out to God. So it's like when we get to the point where we're, the, we're just at the end, we're at our wits end, we don't know what to do anymore. Fasting is something we turn to because it's like, I don't want this distraction, right? It's just an absolute concentration on the Lord. So you combine that determination with that desperation, right? And um, the result was, and Joel uh, Joel 2.12 says, God will hear the prayer of the destitute, right um that's what it says i'm sorry in psalm one oh two verse seventeen that's from psalm one o two seventeen Joel two twelve says this even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning, so repentance precedes revival and A part of repentance. Fasting can be a part of repentance. So desperation. And then we get to the two health sides of it. Because people are like, well, isn't that unhealthy? Well, honestly, if you have low blood sugar, you know, uh, you like start to faint after two hours or something like that, then doing a 24-hour fast is not what you need to be doing, right? Go talk to your doctor. So I'm not a doctor. But I'm going to tell you this. People have fasted for thousands of years, and it only helps them, not hurts them. Now, today, I didn't. I, I was. I was going back and forth between whether I was going to. Because I've got. So, I've got a bunch of balls in the air right now for my lint. Um, that's why I was so glad that uh, Daniel brought those chocolate covered strawberries. If you didn't find those, yeah, they're out there, but don't go now. <laughs> But I just had two of those because I'm like giving up all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my lord! Um, and I do literally mean that, not in vain. Um, so I was gonna, I was considering fasting until sundown, and buddy, I just started getting a headache, and I started feeling terrible. So I went and got a salad with no meat at Salad and Go. I ate tofu. I think that's self sacrifice right there. I haven't had any meat today because I've been toying with the idea of doing a vegetarian diet during this thing. But it's like, like I said, there's just so many things, and I wanna, I wanna be careful. So I'm praying through it and thinking through it, whatever. Um, but in any event, this whole idea of replacing one thing with another thing—like I had a couple of pieces of candy earlier, and I had a couple of those strawberries—I'm feeling I'm probably pretty hyper right now because I've had more sugar right now in the last hour, <laughs> but. Uh, the next D, and this is on the health side, is detoxification. Okay, um, And believe it or not, there's a biblical basis for this as well. Because of our constant exposure to an impure environment, the body collects all sorts of toxic and destructive substances. So now we look at Daniel. Okay, So the children of Israel taken captive and the cream of the crop were brought to Babylon. And Daniel and his friends. Do you remember Daniel's three friends and their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I used to remember all their Hebrew names: Hananiah, Azariah, uh, and there's one more. In any event, they're brought to Babylon, and the meat is not properly slaughtered. Okay. The blood's not drained. You, these are Jews; they're under the law. You don't ever eat meat with the blood in it. Period. And so they were being offered this rich food and this this you know meat that wasn't properly um, slaughtered. And so Daniel said, "No, we we don't want to do that." So the uh, the one that was in charge of them said, "Listen, we don't want you looking worse than the other young men. You have to eat." And Daniel said, "Just let us have vegetables." and water, and then check our health, and see how it is, so that's all they did uh, for 10 days, all right, and at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier than all of these other folks, okay, so they were leaving out all of these toxic uh, foods, and we, you know, listen, man, there's just, you can make a long list of food that you're not supposed to eat, not supposed to eat, and make your life absolutely miserable, you know, you, it can't have bread because of gluten and, you know, you can't have eggs because of your cholesterol. It's like you'd be eating like five things, you know. And if you're that self-disciplined, then more power to you, all right? However, going through a period of time where you do a vegetarian or a vegan diet can be healthy. It really can. Um, And having, you know, periodic times of fasting can be healthy as well. And then finally, and this this dovetails with the previous one, is diet. Um, you can fast regularly and you will naturally control your weight. Um, so uh, Charles Wesley fasted twice a week. Or uh, John Wesley. Charles Wesley was his brother. Um, John Wesley, the, the founder of Methodism, fasted twice a week. And if you're active and you're healthy and you fast regularly, you can lose that. So obviously... I haven't been doing that, and that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I want to get back into that. Now you can go overboard, right? You can turn, you know, fasting into anorexia, right? It's not good. Um, you don't need to look like, you know, some vision of some model or something like that. Healthy is healthy, but in the end, your body needs a certain amount of energy to get through your daily activities, right? And at your age, your your body gets more efficient at using calories as you get older. So we're bummed out in a Western society like ours when you get my age and I don't eat very much at all. And my body's like, thank you. I will make you even fatter. Um, What has happened is you lose 2% of your metabolism every decade. Your body is becoming very efficient at using the calories that, and I think the Lord has done that for a reason. You raise kids, you want them to be able to eat first. Their little metabolism is like, you know, they got to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, right? And so in a uh, situation, a culture, society, where uh, food is not so available as it is in ours, then you can see the benefit to an adult being able to go without food when the kid can't go without food. So one of the ways you can control your diet and also detoxify, um, if you choose to, do, and I did this for a while and it worked. And honestly, I just, you know, I just fell off the wagon. But um, it's called intermittent fasting, right? So instead of like a 24-hour fast, what you do is you just limit the amount of time that you allow yourself to eat in, during the day. So, when I was growing up, I'm still old enough to where it was like, you know, eat three meals a day, breakfast is the most important meal, yada, yada. Okay. But they've discovered the reality is if you will give your body time to digest all of the food that you've eaten, right, it's actually healthier. So, what is intermittent fasting? Uh, Let's go, let's use the 6 p.m time once again. Now, you may get off work late and it wouldn't work this way for you, so you can bump the time accordingly. Uh, If you get off work later, you could start at seven. If you get off work later, you could, you know, you could start at eight. But what you do is you eat that last meal before six, seven, or eight, okay? And then you wait a minimum of 13 hours into the next day, right? So if I stop eating at 8 p.m., then that would mean I could eat again at what? 9 a.m., okay? You see what I'm saying? Then you can bump it even further, right? You can bump it to an 18-hour. And then periodically, you can do a 20 or 24-hour. And again, if you do that, follow the guideline that I offered earlier where you only skip two meals, right? Don't eat and eat and eat until midnight and then crash. It's just going to be just a huge disaster, okay? So those are the seven Reasons for fasting, dedication, discipline, dependence, determination, desperation, detoxification, and diet. So I already talked about um, practical guideline for fasting if you want to fast food. Um, I've done this before, and I'm, I'm toying with it, and I probably will do it this Friday. Um, all of the Fridays leading up to Good Friday, I will fast food because I remember Good Friday, that's the day that Jesus died on the cross. Okay. Um, I have broken that fast as early as 3 PM because that's when, uh, Jesus probably died, actually died. Um, and then all the way to sundown. Well, usually I just pick 6 PM instead of like actually look at my watch and saying, okay, this is sundown or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I found that 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 just constantly that that kind of little bit of niggling suffering, not eating during that day, just reminds me of the suffering that Jesus went through for me. Okay, so that's a, a thought for the food side of things. What else you can do? Um, pick, and this is what most people think of when they think of Lent, right? What are you going to give up for Lent? You heard this? What are you giving up for Lent? All right. So what are the kinds of things? What you do is you pick a legitimate pleasurable food or activity, and you deny that, right? You say, during this time period, I'm not going to have chocolate. During this time period, I'm not going to drink coffee. Buddy, the times that I've given up coffee during that, mm, 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 mm. I I will drink tea so I can get a little caffeine in, because, man, it, it takes me about a week to get off the the caffeine cuz caffeine it's an addictive substance it really really is in fact Jacob you were talking about the fact that you were getting those headaches and it turned out it was caffeine withdrawal right so it's you got to you got to you know but i love coffee and uh, so yeah one year i was looking forward to coffee so much that i started looking into roasting my own beans <laughs> i have a coffee roaster upstairs I actually do. I don't use it anymore, but I have. A, I, I know how to roast beans using an old-school air popper. Remember the old air poppers before we all had microwaves in the, in the bags? I've got an air popper that I bought uh, is from the 80s because they don't make them anymore. And somebody apparently, you know, had one that they had hardly used. I drilled a hole in it so that I could put a thermometer in it and, you know, get, man, I've got this thing down. Because it, it's like when you give something up that you love like that, all you do is think about it the whole time. I'm, coffee, 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 right? So it gives something up that is actually a sacrifice. So it could be candy, soda, dessert, coffee, alcohol, um TV watching, listening to sports, secular music, talk radio, movies, video games, social media, texting, shopping. I'm just throwing stuff out there. OK, you pick something that's legitimate for you. Um, I have taken all the social media off my phone. Uh, I'm. I was glad I looked on Facebook a couple of times other than in the morning today and I ended up picking on picking up several things that people were going through. This is why I hate Facebook but I'm also thankful for Facebook. Right? And Facebook just gets on my nerves. But occasionally, I don't know what's going on and somebody posts something and I'm like, "Oh, Right, like someone posted something you know that they were having uh, you know a hard time at work today, and they had a flat tire and all this, and this is a lady that goes to our church, and she's an amazing lady, um, and so it's like, okay, I need to pray for this person and then Doug, you posted the the thing about uh, the Kansas City um shooting your sister was there yeah. Are you all aware of this, that there was a shooting during the parade, the victory parade? Well, see, I wouldn't have known that, hadn't I? Because I took off all the social media and I wasn't watching any news or TV or whatever. I don't even know what's going on. So anyway, it just keeps me from checking it all the time, though, not being on my phone. So that's like one of the things that I did. All right. Um, And then, like I said, fast at least once a week from sundown to sundown. Um, you can juice fast for 24 hours. I've done that for weight loss and it works, buddy. Um, I, now I actually bought a juicer and got like, you know, you don't do fruit because fruit is fatty. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, okay. Fruit's good. It's healthy. Don't not do fruit. It's healthy, but it's got a lot of sugar in it. So if you're trying to cut the calories, then you go, Non-starchy vegetables. In other words, eating potatoes is not going to do it. All right? Carrots are kind of not really going to do it. But celery and obviously celery. celery's like no flavor, right? But it, believe it or not, it adds kind of a flavor to some of these. Uh, tomatoes uh, are really good to juice. Um, uh, cucumbers are really good to juice, all right? And like I said, when I do it, I drink it. I drink juice every two hours, and I will still lose a pound a day. The key is once you've lost the number of pounds that you thought you wanted to lose. Now, when you get back onto eating, you have to eat a diet that will enable you to keep that off, right? So, but juice fasting is, you know, it's an alternative way to allow you to go ahead and fast, but still get some nutrients in. You get your micronutrients in all of your, uh, all of your uh, vitamins and minerals through that. And then the other thing you can do, and like I said, this is what I'm thinking about right now. Um, I have eaten no meat today at all. Um, I've already, if I'm going to do the vegan diet, that means nothing that comes from an animal either. That means no milk and no eggs. I've already blown that because I had two boiled eggs up there and I was starving. And so I ate my boiled eggs. So, yeah, I I might do that or I might at least limit meat. But you can do that. Eat no flesh, abstain from eating meat during the entirety of Lent. Okay, Um, and as I said earlier, Lent is 46 days long because of the Sundays and taking off on Sundays. Um, So that's why it starts right now. Um, But it also means that if you have something that you're giving up, right, unless you really want to go hardcore and say, no, I want to see what it's like to just be off that altogether. You could take Sunday off, if that makes sense. So you're giving up chocolate Sunday after church, you could reward yourself with a Hershey's bar. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're giving up coffee Sunday morning right before church. Man, you can have a nice couple of guys. It's Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead and I'm going to have some coffee. <laughs> All right. So that's, I'm trying to make this hide, 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 hide. Come on, H, there it is. Okay. Um, Yeah, so that's the fasting side. So I do have a couple of verses um, from John chapter 16. Uh, Now I got to open this back up and find my, there it is. All right, Gospel of John. John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus said, and on that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. So, um, Irving, I think last week when I asked the question uh, about what Jesus was talking about when he says I'm I'm going away, I'm not going to, and then I'll be back and I'll be with you and whatever. Your initial response was, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's where we are now. I think the two are coupled with one another. Jesus is going to actually reappear to those disciples, prove that he rose from the dead. But I think this verse shows that he also was alluding to his extended presence with them through the Holy Spirit. The same way you can have the presence of Christ in your life. All right? Because he says, and on that day, you will not question me about anything. Um, So, when he says, and on that day, it doesn't just mean on the Sunday that he rose, right? It's like, when this time period comes, then you're not going to be asking me any questions anymore. Uh, so he's speaking about life on the other side of the resurrection. That's on our side of the resurrection. In fact, this promise begins to be realized once the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. In John 20, the first Sunday that Jesus appeared to them, it says, and he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Guess who missed that? Thomas. Thomas was so caught up in his feels, if you will, okay? Um, He was doubting. A lot of us doubt. But when we doubt, we miss out on the blessings of God. Thomas doubted and he missed out on that. Now, I don't think that that means that he never received the Holy Spirit. But can you imagine You miss out on an experience like that. Now, of course, then Acts chapter two, right? And the Holy Spirit clothes all of the 120 disciples with power, but I think this is what he's referring to. And it is true for all of us who believe in and receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who is bringing Jesus to you and into you, okay? Then he says, you will not question me about anything. So, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He takes what is Christ's and makes it known to us. That's what we just, just a few verses up from where we are now, Jesus said that. He said, I I am taking from the Father and I am disclosing it to you. The Holy Spirit takes from what is Christ's and discloses it to us, reveals it to us, right? And I like this Isaiah prophesied about this. Um, This is Isaiah 30, 20, and 21. He, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will see your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Friends, that's just a really good description of the way the Holy Spirit convicts you and moves upon your spirit all the time, okay? I mean, I've never heard a voice behind me. I've never heard a voice at all. I've I've told people this before. If I heard a voice I would be scared. (laughs) I would be questioning myself. I would be, you know, I don't know what I would do. But I do have that sense that I'm being led by the Spirit, right? And it's a still small voice, if you will. Um, And so this is what Isaiah was prophesying, prophesying about our time period and you just you need to have that indwelling presence that filling of the spirit to lead you throughout the day you need wisdom from the spirit to know what to say to people right I mean people just can say weird stuff I mean I, I was trying to figure this out earlier night there was a guy standing out in front of our building with a jacket on a black jacket on that said hail Satan like what is wrong I just want to walk out the door and say what is wrong with you dude And he's got a little girl with him. And so I'm just sitting there praying hardcore. I'm like, okay, Lord, you need to protect this little girl. And this guy may be just a goofball, right? And playing games, but no, I'm gonna be praying for that. Unfortunately, who was it that was with me? Somebody was with me in the, were you there when I went out and talked to that guy across the street and almost got myself hit? I can't remember who it was. Somebody was with me in the lobby and it was during one of these like these car shows or something that they have out there. This is before they fixed the square, like it was the old square, okay? And there was a guy out there and I mean, he was just, there were these two other guys and he was like, and he was just really, really loud. And so I was just like, no, not on my square. What a dork am I, okay? I go walking across the street and I said, hey man, there's families out here. What are you doing right now? And he turns to me and starts blah, blah, blah to me. He gets right in my face, doesn't touch me. But I mean, his nasty breath is on me or whatever. And I said, whoa, back up. And the guy goes, you touched me. That's assault. I found out he's an attorney and a city councilman in Garland. Oh my God. That is surreal. I could give you his name right now, but I don't want to get into that. What I'm saying is I should never have crossed the street. If people are griping at each other and hollering at each other, that's one thing. Now, you know, if somebody is, you know, assaulting somebody or something like that, that's something else because I do possess a certain skill that would allow me to help in that situation, right? If you don't, right, um, yeah, don't get into the middle of a fight because rather than stop the fight, you just might end up getting injured, Um But anyway, yeah, I was like, oh, great move, Daryl. Instead of just taking it on yourself, you could have prayed and let the Holy Spirit lead you. And then if you, you know, see, I I know these things. I teach these things to these kids in karate. Um, It's Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Going out there and saying, hey, man, what are you doing? That's not a gentle answer that turns away wrath. It's like pouring gas on a fire. And that's exactly what it did. Um, So this guy was a terrible example, and I was just as bad of an example. So, you know, when you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you, and you'll know what to say or even if you should say anything. Because, you know, a lot of times you get these two fires and they, they burn each other out is what happens. And what was funny is these two guys that he was yelling at were just like, they knew who he was and they had their little tails between their legs and whatever, which was ticking me off even more. Like this dude is a bully and I hate bullies. I really do. But do I think it was my place to go out there? No, it really wasn't. Like I said, if there was an assault going on or something like that, then maybe, but not that, not that. So um, yeah, so we need to have that indwelling presence of the Spirit who, you know, urges us to go talk to somebody or convicts us that we need to back away, okay? Then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Wow. So, first of all, before we get into the asking in Jesus' name thing, let's look at the fact that this gives us the pattern for prayer, right? So, none of these answers are going to be wrong, right? So, don't be afraid to answer, Can you pray to the Holy Spirit? Can you pray to Jesus? Can you pray to the Father? But how are we taught to pray in Scripture? Here it is right here. If you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you, right? You pray to the Father in the name of the Son, that means in keeping with his will, in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us to pray, what did he say? Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. These are our needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then it's probably a later addition. We, we have uh, the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But that's, there's the pattern. Jesus said, you can pray to the Father. And here he says, you're going to, you're going to pray in my name. Okay. Um, the idea of asking in Jesus' name is not saying his name in your prayer to get what you want. Okay. <laughs> It's like people think that's like a magic wand. In Jesus' name, I'm going to get what I want. All right? What it really means is is you're praying by proxy. Okay, what does it mean when something happens by proxy? It means (laughs) somebody does something for you in your name as you. Or I've used this before. When somebody has power of attorney. OK, they have power. attorney. You give someone power of attorney. You're on your deathbed, heaven forbid. OK, or you're sick and you're going to be sick for an extended period of time. You give someone power of attorney. That means they can write a check and sign your name and it's legal. Actually, they can write a check and sign their name and it's legal. But would you give somebody that power that you believed was not going to act in your best interest? Would you give somebody that power that you believed was going to do things differently than you would in that situation? No, you're gonna choose somebody that you trust to act as you would act, act by proxy, okay? So when we're praying in the name of Jesus, we're in fact saying, I want to do your will, God, the way your son did your will, okay? Um, This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus wasn't a masochist. He didn't want to go through this horrific suffering and death, execution by cross, okay? That's where we get our English word excruciating, right? I won't get you to call out, but when you think of excruciating pain, what does that mean for you? For me, probably the most excruciating pains have been migraines that I've had at times, okay? And I, I had a bad dentist when I was growing up. Um, And I had a bunch of cavities filled when I was 10. So 10 years later, every one of those cavities started falling apart. I have had abscesses in all four of these molars. And it's just unbelievable. That's excruciating. Just imagine that pain magnified by hours and hours, right? Right and feeling the hopelessness and helplessness that Jesus felt during that time because he became our sin on the cross. Jesus wasn't a masochist. When he's in the garden, he's crying out to the Father. If there is any other way, then let it be so. Thankfully for you and I, Jesus didn't just say, I don't want to do this. What did he say? Yet not my will, but thy will. That's what you're saying when you pray in Jesus' name. You're not saying, Jesus, I want you to do what I want you to do. Now, I I believe um, that there is a process here of discovering God's will that happens as you wrestle with the Lord in prayer, okay? Because our will has to become submitted, surrendered to his will. But we have these things that we really, 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 really want. and we can't just easily let go of them. So do we just go after them and chase them? or do we wrestle with the Lord in prayer? Do we expose those desires to him and let him wrestle with us? okay? Just think about Jacob wrestling with the, the angel. Right? that's just a, it's a, It actually happened, but it is also an analogy, a symbol, a metaphor for what we do all the time with God. And he's willing to wrestle with us. That's what's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, the angel waited until they'd wrestled for a while. and He just touched his hip and oh, went out of the socket, you know? That angel would have been a great BJJ dude. I mean, seriously, he would have. He'd be like, yeah, I'm wrestling with you. I'm wrestling with you. Pop! How's that? Now you're not going to walk right? And he did walk, but uh, he remembered that wrestling. So John, in his little letter at the end of the New Testament, expresses this in a way that we can understand it. It says, First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you hear that? You know, sometimes we're asking for the Lord for stuff that's just ridiculous. And, you know, part of us figuring out that it's ridiculous is the Lord just going, hmm, no. There's three answers, okay? The Lord can say, yes, that is my will. You're asking in Jesus' name. Or the Lord can say, no, no. Or the Lord can say, not yet wait. Wait till you're in position and in condition to receive that. And then it's okay. But if I can't let go of it, I just keep praying for it. Okay. But you got to be satisfied with the Lord's answer as Jesus was. Here's the, here's the actual text. Um, and this is from, this is from Mark's gospel, um, of what Jesus said here. My soul is, Is deeply grieved. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wrestling in prayer. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. He's telling Peter, James, and John, who had fallen asleep. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began praying that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. This is the hour of suffering and death. And he was saying, Abba, Father, that's, that's like saying, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And thankfully for our salvation, Jesus did what his Father willed. He says at the end of this, this is why I only did two verses, because I, I knew I was going to do the fasting thing. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. So even if we have to suffer for the moment, okay? Um, And this is where it kind of ties together with with Lent. Uh, Maybe, you know, this self-imposed suffering. Even if we have to suffer for the moment, joy comes in the morning. That's what Psalm 30 verse five says. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The sun is gonna come out. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay. So the fullness of joy results from doing the will of God, not getting what my flesh wants apart from God. You know what you get when you, when you get what your flesh wants? You get buyer's remorse. That's what you get. The people of Israel, children of Israel in the wilderness, okay, they're crying out, We want meat. We remember all the days. Beside the Nile River in Egypt, and we had leeks and onions and meat. And we want meat. We're tired of this manna. And so God said, "Okay, I'm going to give you some meat." Yes. And it literally says this. This is Numbers chapter. Uh, it's in Numbers. Uh, I want to say eleven. <laughs> the Lord actually says this. This may. This is one of the. This is the first time that I read a passage in the Bible and it made me laugh. Um, the lord said i 'm going to give you meat not just one day, not just two days, but for a whole week until it comes out of your nostrils i 'm not kidding god said i 'm going to give you so much meat that it comes out your nose okay now there you know there's a a figure of speech there, but also have you ever thrown up and it comes out your nose <laughs> And the Lord just was, he was angry at these people because of how gluttonous they were. They were just out there just, it's just disturbing and disgusting. And these are supposed to be God's people, right? Yeah, they had buyer's remorse then. You don't want what you want. You want what he wants because what he wants is better for you than anything you could possibly want. That's what you want. Even if you've got to suffer through some things for a period of time. So finally, I will conclude, and this is uh, a, uh, a passage from Jesus speaking in Luke's gospel, and it fits together very well with what he has just said here, um, asking in his name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. This is Luke eleven nine 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, which one of you, fathers, if his son will ask for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? Or he will even ask for an egg and his father will give him a scorpion? No. You know this is rhetorical. This is no. No good father is going to do that. Jesus is saying, my father is the good father, and he's not going to give you garbage. Even if you're stupid enough to ask for a snake. Well, I don't want fish. I want to eat a snake. I don't want an egg. I want to eat a scorpion. And some of us, that's what we're asking for, right? And then this is very important. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, in Matthew's gospel says, um, give good gifts to those who ask him. But here, listen to what it says. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know what's better than any gift? God's presence. God himself. I mean, I think, you know, I keep, uh, you know, I'm an idiot probably, but uh, I I really want a Tesla. That's what I want. I have no place to charge it. I want a Tesla with full self-driving. I just want my car to drive for me, and I just want to laugh the whole way. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take trips places. You're gonna be like, what happened to the pastor? Oh, he's in his Tesla with full self-driving. He must have taken another trip. <laughs> and dude, I'm not going to get bored on the road. My car is going to drive for me. I'll be like, whatever, dude. You know, and if I fall asleep, it won't matter. The car's driving for me. Man, I've had a few of those scary instances on the road where, I, yeah, when I was a young driver, I was coming home from work real late at night. And I didn't realize how tired I was. And I fell asleep and I woke up in mid-air. So, two sides of the highway, Interstate 17, and then there's this like this big kind of trough in between them that's kind of deep enough to keep you from wanting to come off the road and drive up on the other side, right? I'm not kidding. I woke up in mid-air. I was terrified. Boom, I landed in that little trough, bust my dadgum suspension. Uh, yeah, it was really scary to fall asleep on the road. If I had full self driving, that wouldn't happen. Anyway.